All right, uh, so we are reading James. We are almost finished with James, uh, but James is not finished with us, okay? Um, he has a lot to teach us, and one of the reasons he has a lot to teach us is that, as you guys might know and might remember, he is a pastor of a big church in Jerusalem. And pastors, they deal with a lot of people, uh, relationships, people problems, people being uh, fake, people pretending, people, um, you know, have sufferings in their life, uh, people who have joys and people who, you know, need right now, you know, to the help of God. So let's open together James chapter 5, and we will read verses 16 to 19. James chapter 5, verses 16 to to 19. Do you have Bibles? No? Yes? Okay, open them up. Great. Um, so we read this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That's it, till 18. Um, so, uh, last time we talked about prayer. Slavik was preaching on prayer, and uh, he made a point, right, that... One of the ways God designed for us to receive help is ask other people to pray for us. Confess our sin and ask other people, pray for me, right? Uh, we started on verse uh, 13, and in every verse, almost every verse has this word pray. Pray. Elders, pray for the people. People, you pray for yourself when you're suffering, and then uh, pray for each other. And then we, we come to this, this verse. And uh, it is very important for us to learn to, and to understand the truth that another believer is a means of God for us to receive help. Can I ask you a question? Do you guys think we miss out a lot in our lives? And I think that question was posted uh, on Friday service as well. We miss out a lot when we don't pray or we you think God is sovereign and we just receive what we should receive and that's it. What is your view? Miss or not miss? Who is for miss? Raise your hands. If we miss a lot when we don't pray. And who is like, no, we don't miss. It's, it's fine. God knows everything. Who doesn't know? Okay, a lot of people just don't vote. I, I got it. I got it. I see. Okay. All right. The thing is, very interesting thing, right, in that, that last sermon is that we tend to pray more for people who are far away or for those who are close to us. Those who are close, we pray more. Why is that? What? We know them. What else? We see them, yeah? It's much easier for us to relate to them. Even though some other person somewhere else can be in much need of a prayer, but we don't know them, right? 
but this person who is in front of me, I know, I see, and I can relate, and I can pray much, much more fervently, right, for that. So that's one of the reasons to have a good band of believers in your life that you can ask and pray with together. So think of yourself and do you have people who can pray with you and for you? And if you don't, James says, find the people. Because you will miss. And time will fly. And you will be 30. You know, some of you will be bald. And you're like, I missed a lot. Why is that? I, I expected this and this and this. And I don't have it. Why is that? Today, again, the word of God says, you need to ask other believers to pray for you. And if you don't, you will miss it. So James is very clear on that, on that point. Um, you know, uh, I heard a story a long time ago when I was a kid about one Indian man who received, they, you know, his kids, they moved from this small village to a big city, and they sent him a lot of these green, green pictures. And he's, he didn't know what to do with green pictures, and he was like just putting them on the wall, putting them on the wall, and very poor guy, you know, very poor guy, live in poverty. And then, you know, after a couple of years, finally his kids could come and see him again. And they come and they just shocked that their father lives in such a poverty. And they come into the house and they see all these dollars that they send as a support for him just glued to the wall. Never, never used. And I remember this story like that's somehow sometimes we are like that. Because we do not use specific commands of the Bible for our life. We just think things should happen as they should. So uh, I want us to consider this. Ask other believers to pray with you and for you. Now, let's look at verse, eight, uh, verse 16. Second part of the verse. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So a couple things we will look through today. Listen, a couple things. First thing, James qualifies a prayer. He qualifies a prayer with this, prayer of a righteous man. Do you see this? Or a righteous person, your translation might say. Second, this prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. Yes? Third, James gives an example from the Old Testament to clarify what he means by a righteous person on one side and a great power of prayer. And fourth, he encourages us to seek the great power of, of prayer and be confident in the Lord. I want you to see this. Listen. Being young doesn't mean that you cannot be confident in the Lord. Being young doesn't mean that you cannot be confident. You like need to mature to a confidence level. David was young and was confident. He was 17 fighting Goliath. Okay? So we can be young and confident in the Lord. And James, he tries to build that in, in our mind that we, seeing the Lord, seeing how he works, can be confident. Now, let's start with this. Prayer of a righteous person. Whose prayer has great power according to this verse 16. Whose prayer has a great power? Tell me. Okay, I'll ask one more time. <laughs> Read the verse. Whose prayer has a great power? Righteous. So he qualified, righteous person. Now, am I righteous? And you can ask yourself, am I righteous? And can I expect 
my prayer to have such a great power as James is saying. Okay? So who is this righteous person and are you a righteous person? Am I a righteous person? So we need to check that, right? Because that's a qualification of the prayer with a great power. Um, because we see that great power is not given to all kinds of people, but righteous people. Uh, and you, you already saw this in his epistle, right? You saw what he kind of means by righteous. There are people who claim faith, I believe, but they don't have any works. And James says that such faith is what? You guys can speak, okay? It's not like I'm just a sermon preaching here. You guys can speak. Dead. The faith can be dead, and this faith has no power. Then he says, you should not doubt when you ask for wisdom, right? You should not doubt because God, if you ask him, he gives graciously to all that ask. He's trying to build that confidence uh, for us. Now, let's look at what the Bible says about the righteous people. What about prayers of, let's do a contrast, right? Like, okay, so there is a righteous man. We kind of have an idea of that person, but what is not a righteous man. How we call no righteous man? It's not a righteous man. How, do you, how would you name not a righteous man? Or Bible, what name does Bible use for not a righteous man? Wicked. Yeah, wicked. Let's open Proverbs 15.8. Proverbs 15.8. I want you to understand this. It's very important for us to understand how God looks at our prayer life and sacrifices we bring to him. So the sacrifice of the wicked is in what? Abomination to the Lord. It's ugly. It's uh, disgusting. That's abomination. The, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is what? Acceptable to him. So he definitely separates the people and says, there is a prayer that God hates, doesn't like, dislikes. You know, um, it's very, very important for us to see that because we can say that we can have a tendency, you know, to bounce between two extremes. On one extreme, there is like, God hears everybody and he responds to everybody. And if you just pray to him, you know, he will respond to you and everything like that. That is, can be true. We see this with a thief on the cross when he called upon Jesus, right, and received forgiveness and salvation. Do we see that? But there is a different kind of people who pray and God says that's abomination. He doesn't accept that. Now, Proverbs 28.9. Let, let, let us kind of more look at this more precisely. Proverbs 28.9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is what? Abomination. So he qualifies now even more with this prayer uh, uh, and we know how Proverbs and James is, is soaked, you know, with Proverbs, right? He understands the prayer also from here. So look at this. What is, how the contrasted, the, the person is contrasted to a righteous here. Uh, how, can, how is it, how is the person contrasted? The one who will do what? Does what? Turns his ear away from what? Hearing the law, right? Like, 
you don't want to know the Bible, you don't want to obey the Bible, you don't care about uh, uh, what the Lord has to say for my life, I want to live as I want. The Lord says, such a man and his prayer is what? Abomination to the Lord. Think, think of the family situation. I want to, I have kids, right? And think, think of a family situation. You have a kid or a family has a kid who doesn't belong, basically, doesn't care. Doesn't care. You know, the family does his own business and he does his own business. He rebels. He doesn't want to listen. He disobeys the parents. Uh, when, you know, when he ha has ice cream, he doesn't share with anyone, right? It's like, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, person who just wants, the world turns around that person, okay? And he thinks the world must turn around, uh, around me. And if you don't do what I want, I'll be upset. And now this person comes to a dad and says, Dad, you know, like everybody has a new bike. What about me having a new bike? It's like, you, you don't get a new bike, okay? Pounds the sand, huh? Pounds the sand. You don't get, why is that? Because this is important for us to see in the relationship that that person, when you want to live like you want to live, you don't follow what your father loves, then you will not receive a response from your father that you would expect. Your father would not go above and beyond to hear you and respond to you. Now, so who is this righteous person, right? And we can kind of see it from already this verse, Proverbs 28.9. First, we can say this. The righteous person is the one, at least in the biblical understanding, willing to hear the revealed word of God and obey it. Willing to hear and obey the word of God, right? Um, the, the wicked is someone who is not willing to hear, turns his ear away. I'm asking, do you love to listen something that, um, from the Bible, right, that touches your life, pierces you and says, you should not do this? Are you like, ah, no, I don't want to do, I want to, I want to do my way. The Bible clearly says that's wickedness, that's abomination to the Lord, and you need to understand this, right? Now, um, so what is the law of the Lord? When, when, because maybe some, some of us can say like, oh, turning his ear away from the law, what does he mean by that? Basically what he means is word of God, right? The law is the word of God given through Moses and then through prophets and then through apostles. That's the word of God that we should be careful to listen. For example, you know, if somebody is not interested in Jesus, doesn't care about trusting his life to Jesus, uh, doesn't want to repent from his sins and love his sin, and um, doesn't love the one who Heavenly Father loves, um, right? He doesn't love the beloved Son of God. You guys remember the, 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 the story and the a voice that came from heaven during baptism of Jesus Christ and then during his transfiguration on the mount. Uh, the Father says, this is my what? Beloved son, listen, what? Listen to him. Very simple, listen to him, right? Now, if somebody doesn't want to do that, doesn't accept Christ, live his own life, what do you think about would God hear and respond to prayer about other things you care in life? If the main thing is missed, would the Father be, um, you know, ready to respond in that direction. Think about other religions. 
they don't love Jesus, they don't believe in Jesus who he is, what about them? They pray a lot, you know. A Muslim would pray how many times a day? Okay, maybe somebody is educated enough to know. Five times, right? Five times they pray, uh, you know, they, they start the day with prayer. Now I'm asking you a question, okay? Listen, what about their prayer? What about prayer of the wicked people who uh, pray about other things in life? I want you to open up with me John 5.23. John 5.23. Look at this. John 5.23. That all may honor the Son just as they honor who? The Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very simple. Jesus says, if you are not honoring me, you're not honoring the Father. Okay, so we need to be clear and understanding in this direction. So first thing we can say that the righteous person is about, you know, the truth about the Son um, is accepted, loved, respected, and so this is a truth about Jesus Christ. The righteous is the one who believes in Jesus and who repents and trusts his life to Jesus. Now, somebody can object and say, okay, listen, why would not God first respond and I will see the, his great power and then I will come to him, right? Why would God not do that? And first and foremost, and then I will see and, and then I will respond. Um, you know, the thing is that uh, we, when, when the Bible describes the process of how God interacts with us, how God responds to us, he talks about this adoption to the family of God. First, to become a child and to be heard by God, you must be what? Adopted into, into the family of God. And then you have a rights that other people don't have. Okay? That's a right of the child of God, as the Bible puts it. Let's read John 1.12. So, let's look at that. John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, in Jesus' name, they, they gave the right, he gave the right to do what? To become who? Children of God. Do you see that? The right, I want you to see this, the right to become a children of God. When James talks, he talks to the church and has, you have a right, you are the children of God, you, you need to have a confidence when you come to the Father. He hears you, he will respond. Now, I want us to see the, the amazing thing that God gave, did through Jesus in area of prayer in the area of prayer he opened the doors and somebody read this passage already right somebody read that we have what confidence to come where to the throne of grace confidence we can come with confidence and that's not you know you build up that confidence you're like i have confidence i have confidence. you know you have the truth that you build your confidence on and it's like that's what the bible teaches me and bible teaches me to have that confidence because he is my father, Jesus died for me, he now made me righteous. Why is that? He forgave my sins, that's one. What's the next thing? He gave me the present, and that present is his righteousness. Now I want you to see this, because um, when you think about God, the Old Testament and the New Testament call him the consuming fire, okay? 
And the book of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire, so you need to be careful how you come before him and what you talk to him, how you talk to him, and how you behave in your life because he is not just your friend. And he is not just your daddy, right? He also is a consuming fire, and you need to be clear on that. Now, um, I do not, you know, um, ever was, I was never the, the, the witness of the, like, house burning, and I needed to rescue someone from that house. I don't know if you guys have any experience in that. Uh, maybe we have some firefighters here. I'm not sure, but... Um, what do firefighters do to enter into the house that is on fire? What do they need to have? Special suit. Do you guys know what that special suit, what the, what the material is? Oxygen. They need to have oxygen. That's true. Without oxygen, we would be dead. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because that, there is a lot of smoke and stuff like that, for sure. Ukrainsky, uh, I'm not sure in English, how uh, this material is Asbesta, да, по-английски не знаю это слово. It's fireproof material, right, basically, that you can enter into the fire and be safe in it. It's very interesting, right? Jesus' righteousness, listen, when I ask you this first question, are you righteous, you need to hear me. The Bible says that you receive that present, and that present is righteousness of Jesus when you come to him. And that righteousness is also described as a cloak or or a uh, cloth that you can put on and enter into the presence of our God who is a consuming fire and be safe. And without that, uh, that, that special equipment, you cannot. Right? So first thing, we need to see that amazing work of Jesus that we can come boldly before this holy God. Why is that? He gave us his righteousness. We are not coming by our own or on our own standards on our own efforts or on our own, uh, you know, merits. We come before God on the merits and basis of Jesus and his work and what he has done. Amen? And we need to understand that. That's very important. Because uh, if we don't understand that, we will always struggle in our prayer life. Like, am I worthy? Can I come before this God? You know, uh, I just had a little problem here. Should I pray or not? So first thing we, see, we can see that we must be people who belong to Jesus and through Christ receive adoption into the family, receive the gift of righteousness into our life, and be proclaimed righteous by God, not by our own means or our own efforts or our own merits, but by His grace. Now, second thing, we can see that um, God today calls, you know, you can, you can ask the second thing, right? Like, okay, Jesus, but that God called me to repentance. You know, I heard about this thing that God, you know, uh, reveals himself to some people, but not to all people. What about me? Uh, Acts 17.30 says this. Acts 17.30 says this. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. How many people he, repent, he calls to, says, says to repent? All people. He commands, he commands all people, repent. Be reconciled with God. And now you can come to him and have this access to the, to the grace of God. Now, second thing, so first thing is 
relationship to Christ must change. And if that is not changed, there is no righteousness in the life. There is only wickedness because it dishonors the Son of God. Second thing is concerning our lifestyle. So, um, the righteous, who is the righteous? And we can simply say, say that the righteous is the one who does what is right. Yeah? And what is right? What is right? That's basically what God declared to be right. Yeah? The righteous is the one who does right. And what, what is right? That what God declared to be right. Now, what was Elijah doing? Because we have in verse, look at verse um, 17, we have this example of Elijah, right? I want you to see that. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, right? So he brings him in and he says, look at him because he will serve you and is as an example in your prayer life. Let's look at 1 Kings 18, 36 to 37. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 to 37. So listen to this. And at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Turn how turn their hearts back. Now, look what he says verse, in verse 36. That I have done all these things at what? Verse 36. Why did he do all these things? Why did he pray a prayer about rain to stop raining on the, on, the, on the land and there was no rain for three and a half years? What was the reason for that? What was the reason according to verse 36? I have done all these things at your word. He was a man of the word of God. He knew the word of God and he um, prayed according to the word of God. That was a revealed will in the Old Testament to pray like that. You would say, oh, really? To pray that there would be no rain in the land for three and a half years? There was a will of God like that? Yes, why is that? And we read this in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 and 17, that God says, if you people, my people, Israel, turns away from me and goes and serves other gods, what will happen to them? I will not give rain to the people. Okay? So Elijah knew the word of God that, and he saw that people at that time worshipped idols, not the true living God, but idols. And he prayed the prayer according to the word of God. Now, um, so what I want first to see that we can conclude that the righteous one knows the word of God. And I'm asking you today, how is your Bible reading? How is your... Um, knowing the word of God is going? Are you guys growing uh, in knowledge of the word of God? And are you interested in the word of God? Because if you see the God, if you see God more and more who he is, we, our prayer life will start to change according to what he wants, not what I want, okay? Now, um, 
and I would say that this idea of a person who knows the word of God and is ready to obey is the word of God is the first first sign, first sign that this person is a believer. Uh, because if you know um, you and I we disagree in some things, right? You know, I didn't know something. I just came to Christ. I didn't know something. And you come to me with the Bible and say, hey, man, brother or sister, you know, what you are doing is wrong. Here is the Bible passage about it. And if you read it and it's clear and you don't agree with that and you live your life, it basically uh, shows that you probably not a believer. You probably go in rebellion to the word of God. Okay, so, um, and even, you know, at that point, maybe the word of God yet doesn't make sense to you. Because, you know, like a baby, you need to mature. I need to mature to that level, right? You, when, you, uh, when I tell my kid, you know, when, when my, my kids were young, right, you tell, don't take this nail and put this in these two holes. Don't do that, okay? That's very bad for you. And uh, they would not listen sometimes, right? So the, the parents take these little, you know, uh, caps, put, the, put, put on, the, on the outlets to protect the kids. But at that moment, they don't understand yet. They don't have yet, yet the understanding that how electricity works. So they need to obey. And parents sometimes enforce that obedience, right, with discipline. So the p children would be safe. Now, a believer seeks to know and understand the word of God. It is very, e listen guys, it is very easy to spot a fake religion. And you, you need to look at yourself as well, right? But it's very easy. Why is that? Because in fake religion, you know what fake religion does? It takes my experience, my understanding, and projects it on God. For example, you know, like um, you can say, and we live in a culture where, you know, being uh, friends with your kids is like a cool thing. I must be a friend. I, I must eat out with kids. I must shop, go to shopping, go to skiing, whatever, right? Like that's kind of the responsibility of the parent. And I told this to my, you know, older friend, like, what do you think, you know, should I do this and this and then? He's like, looked at, you know, he, he, he's like, are you you're weird or something? You know, you're a parent. You're not his friend. You're not his buddy. You need to understand he has buddies. You are his parent. You have a different role in his life, right? And sometimes you need to stop these kids and not do what they want to do. I'm not saying the skiing is bad, okay? I'm going to skiing still. But what I'm trying to say is that sometimes, you, and you take that model, and now you put it on God. You project it and say, I mean, God must do what I want, right? Like my parents do what I want, and God must do what I want. And uh, that's not how it is, right? Because that would be a fake religion that basically a, a deity should look like us and how we think of life. I heard one preacher, I read him a lot, but he said, you know, like, um, you know, don't do you fall asleep when you pray? I'm like, yes, sometimes happens, right? And he, 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 he responds in that tweet, he says, you know, I love when my child fall, falls asleep on my lap. I'm like, that sounds so cool. You know, that sounds so awesome, right? But that's a projection of my life toward God and not the reverse. That's a projection of what I think, not what the Bible teaches about our respect toward the word of God. So do you, do you see my point, right? That um, we need 
to change our understanding and mindset must change according to his word and not the reverse. We need to learn what he wants and not the reverse. Uh, so we need to understand that. He is our father, yes, but he is our heavenly father. Amen? So we need to see that. We need to change our mind and say, okay, this is what I hear and this is what I hear and this is what the culture says, but does the Bible says so? Do I see a people pray like that in the Old New Testament? And you know, when you start studying the New Testament prayers and Old Testament prayers, you don't find prayers like that. You have the whole book of Psalms when the God is like this, this awesome being, right, that he's, um, in, in, in his love and his mercy, he looks at us and he's interested in us and everything like that, but, you know, he's not just my body. You don't have that feeling, right, that he is my body. So, Elijah knew that one nation leaves God, there was a word of God that God will send no rain. And then he prayed according to his word. He knew his word. So if you want your prayer, and I want my prayer, right, to be effective and powerful, our mindset must shift toward reality of the revealed word of God. And not what culture dictates or what whatever dictates. Revealed word of God. Second thing we see about Elijah, he was worshiping true God and not idols. And you see that a nation at that time, all the people turned away because, you know, the king was for it. And his wife was wicked and she killed priests and was not popular to be a Christian or to be a Bible believer or to be, you know, a true worshiper of Jehovah, right? It was not uh, profitable. You can be killed for that. So Elijah, even in his life, he would say such things like that. Like when he would pray, he said, Lord, I'm alone. I'm alone, right? The Lord told him, I, I, I left 7,000 people. Don't worry about it, okay? It's not your business. It's not your problem. You do your work. But you, you can feel that, that tension. That, but he was willing, listen, to worship true God when nobody else would worship true God, right? Uh, now, uh, I want to ask you this as well, right, in this regard. We spend so much time not with God, then we turn to him for a couple minutes in prayer, and I want to ask you, and want to ask us, right, would that not show us that we are having our own idols? And we're serving our own idols, and then we call, come to God when, you know, when we because we kind of need to. So Elijah, he was serving, worshiping true God and not his idols. How much time we spend with the Lord in prayer. Second, worship includes seeking the glory of God first and foremost. Worship includes seeking the glory of God first and foremost. Elijah's prayer was God. We just read about it in 1 Kings 18, 36 to 37. He says this, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. Do you see this? This was his direction of mind. He loved the Lord. He loved this God who everybody at that time turned away from. And he says, Lord, answer me. Why? For your glory. So everybody knows that you are God. So that, that was, um, 
and know his desire of the heart. And I want to ask you, do you have, do I have this passion for the Lord? When we pray for other people, Lord, we see what's happening in, in the youth or we, I see what's happening with my friends. Lord, they don't treasure you, but you are to be treasured. Can you, Lord, please open the hearts or, or, or their hearts or my heart to see that you are valuable about, valuable about everything else, right? That, that's a prayer that has this edge to see and love the glory of God. So, second, uh, so we see that, that he was worshiping the true God and not idols. Um, so third thing I want to ask you this, right? Was Elijah sinless? Was he perfect? Was he perfect? Was he sinless? No. I mean, that's why he br brings him in, right? He says this, listen. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, right? He had a nature like ours. But also, I want to point out this. His lifestyle was not sinful, okay? He was not just a man who loved sin and enjoyed sin and lived in sin. That's what I mean by sinful. Elijah wasn't sinful and sinless and perfect, uh, but he was not as well sinful in that regard. Um, so often, you, you see this picture in the Old Testament. I love to read the Old Testament stories, but listen. In the book of Kings, you read about King, and usually his life is before the story characterized by one sentence. Either it is this. This and this king was wicked. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's it. That's a life. And he was like, I mean, he, he probably did something else in his life, right? Yeah, he probably loved his kids, enjoyed his, you know, family time, did something here and there. But the overall, you know, picture of his life was this. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you read about the other guy, right? One sentence. He did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Did he do mistakes? Yes. Was he perfect? No. But in general, his life was characterized by this uh, behavior, this attitude that he was doing what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. We read this in 1 John 2, 3, 6. John the Apostle was putting this like that, uh, and phrase it like this. No one who abides in him and Jesus keeps on sinning. Listen. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Yeah? See this. John says as well uh, in this regard very specifically that a person lifestyle will be different. And that's what righteous man by lifestyle is. His lifestyle is not that he doesn't sin, but he, when he sins, he stands up, he prays, he repents, and he goes on again to please his God. And he sins and he falls and he stands up and the righteous, we read, will fall how many times? Seven times and then he will do what? Rise. Get up. Lord, forgive me. I want to follow you. I want to follow you again. I'm sorry. And Lord is gracious to, to again and again restore this man. Um, so I want to just kind of summarize this, right? The righteous man is the one who loves Jesus Christ, received the gift of righteousness, and then the one who strives toward practical righteousness in his life. 
right? He falls, he stands up, and does it again, and again, and again, and again, until he finally meets the Lord. Or a wicked person who is, there is no fight, when he sees a pleasure, he likes it and he follows it. Now, why would James need to say that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours? Um, why would he say that? Look at this amazing man, right? Like, this is, if you read the story of Elijah, he's, he's like a superhero in our terms, right? He, he can, you know, uh, split the waters of Jordan, yeah? He prays, there is no rain for three and a half years. He raises a son from the dead, you know? Um, he's, he does amazing, amazing things. Now, why would James say, hey, church, Elijah was a man like ours? like in nature, nature like, like ours. Why would he say that? Do you think he would like us to be encouraged by this or discouraged? Encouraged, right? Like he wants to encourage the church, but why would he pick this example, you know, of this amazing man of faith? I think because, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to think that this is some other categories of people. Like I can never be like that. I cannot attain a level like that. And he says, no, look at Elijah. And James says, look at Elijah. He has or had a nature like, like ours. You know, when you think of, uh, you bring an example of athletes, right? You look at some guys or girls and they like run fast or they like do jumps or whatever they do, right? Like you look at this like, this is not possible, yeah? And you're like, oh, I, cannot, I don't even want to try this. But uh, the point is, what I'm trying to say is that, that uh, you know, how many uh, athletes, if you guys were ever did, did this stuff, you know, usually they say this, right, that 1% is your talent, 99% is what? It's work. <laughs> it's work and effort, right? It's work and effort. And James wants to under, have us change our understanding in regards to prayer and says, what was possible for Elijah, church, is possible for you as well when you pray. Because he was a man in nature like you, like me. You know, John, uh, James wants to encourage us as well. Let's look at some examples of Elijah when he was in nature like us. For example, Jezebel says, Elijah, today you will be, or tomorrow you will be killed. What does Elijah says? What is his response? Fear. He fears and he flees away. He fears, right? Second, we see that Elijah becomes depressed and asks God to take his own life. I mean, not to take his life. Like, God, please, you know, I'm done. Take my life, right? He was very, this, this, this you know, hard, and his heart, right, about the situation. Um, at one time, he thought that he was the only godly man left in the country. You know, nobody else, just me, right? That, that, those are the tendencies. You know, he used the power of God that God gave him against his enemies. He, he, he basically uh, asked God and a fire came and consumed 100 people, right? So we see this, that James uh, trying to bring Elijah and saying and encouraging church, church, we, youth, we can pray like that like him, and expect the power of that God, of power of God to be visible for us as well, okay? 
Some people, you know, uh, they have uh, problems with, uh, with this theologically. For example, you know, like, is miracles possible today or not? Are they possible or not? Right? And you're like, okay, there was, you know, the argument goes like this. There were three periods in, in the biblical history when the, we see the outpouring of the miracles. When was the first one? Moses, second. Elijah, Elisha, third. Jesus Christ, an apostle, right? Like, these big moments in time that's specifically designed for, uh, you know, miracles to approve the word of God. And that's true. I will not go against that argument. Pretty strong argument. But I, would a- I want to ask you, does James think the same on, or when he th- thinks about prayer, and his own prayer? Or he says, I look at these examples and I'm praying like that. And I want you to pray like that too. Right? And expect the power of God like that too. So, you know, I think that's what James wants uh, for us to kind of change our mind in this, in this regard, right? James wants people of God to be confident in him when they pray. Um, as I already pointed out, you know, ask for wisdom and he will what? He, he, he might give you or he will give you. He will give you. Second thing he says, the, look at verse 13, right? And 14. Uh, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, they, them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will what? Will save the one who is sick. He's not, like, in, in James's mind, I know it sounds strange for us, but in James's mind, he's like, there is this prayer of faith. And we need to have faith like Elijah, right? But... He's saying specifically that we need to seek that. It is possible and we need to seek that, that God will heal and will give us, you know, that, um, that, that prayer, that power, right? Now, I want to do a couple more things, guys. Listen. It's very important for us to understand this. It is not about the power of words. Do you hear me? It is not about the power of words. When I say this, what I mean? I mean this. Like, you know, some people say, oh, you know, you have, don't say this because, you know, something might happen. Your words have power. Or, you know, uh, some, there are movements even, you know, they believe that when you say this, you must say it like firm, strong, and your words, they will materialize and basically, you know, complete the work that, you know, you, you, you want. And that's wrong. That's very, very wrong. James teaches not about that, the power of words, you know, the word faith movement and stuff like that. He teaches that there is God who is the same when he was during Moses' time, when he was during Elijah's time, and when he is today. He is the same. He's not changed. And he responds to prayers of his people. I would say it this way, you know, about the whole power of words thing. When you, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs teaches us this. When you see your enemy in distress and you like it, you like enjoying it. Oh, now he's suffering. Great. He says, the book of Proverbs teaches us be afraid of that. Don't do this. Why is that? Because the Lord will see your attitude of heart 
and will take that sorrow and bring it upon you. What he is saying is this. There is God in heaven who looks at these old relationship and attitudes of our heart and he cares for that. And he responds to pray. It's not about the power of words, but it's about the power of the mighty God whom Elijah served, whom Elisha served, whom Moses served, whom disciples served, whom James served. It is told, told about Elijah that he, I mean about James, he was a practical man. He was a pastor. And we already uh, heard about the last time, right, that the pastors, one of their main, main um, task is to pray for their people. And you can imagine, like, people come to him and he's praying for this group. They are suffering. And then this new couple is engaged. They are cheerful. And we read in verse, uh, you know, 13, right? Cheerful. And all these different, different emotions going on in the church, right? And he's praying for them and praying for them and praying for them. And it is told, told in, in church tradition, not in the Bible, the church tradition that his knees became hard. And I like that, you know. It, why is that? Because, again, it kind of gives us idea how he prayed, how he understood whom he stand before. He wasn't just sitting, relaxed, you know, drinking his coffee. He's like, God, you know, I want to talk to you today. You know, it's like he had respect and he prayed to this God who is powerful, who is my father, but he prayed on his knees as well. He loved to pray and understand that God has power and he can give us what we ask when we ask according to his, to his will. So I want to ask you this and we will finish up. Can a Christian exist without prayer? You know, it's a rhetorical question, right? Can I, can, I can ask the, not, another question. Can fish exist without water, right? Or can man with, exist without air? Christian cannot exist without prayer. But this disproportion, listen, because it's very important for all of us. I know sometimes when we hear the messages on prayer, we all feel guilty, okay? All of us feel guilty about that, like, I'll look at my prayer life, I feel guilty. And Lord, he is encouraging us, pray for the sick people in your church. Pray for your friends. Pray for all of this because God has power. But, listen, but this proportion of prayer life, meaning that you don't have a prayer life or you just spend very, very little amount of in prayer life, might be a sign of spiritual deadness. It's like with a faith that, Without work is what? Dad, right? The disproportion, you know, when you don't have prayer life at all, or you, you know, you pray, when you pray, it's like Christmas or Easter always, right? You come to church, we have that saying, right? You come to church, it's always Easter or Christmas, because that's where people, you know, you, 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 we would say like, okay, actually come to church, right? Go to church, oh, it's Easter, it's Christmas. There is no this relationship toward the true and living God. So, let this example of Elijah, you know, for me and for all of us, be a strong encouragement. This man was in nature like us, but he prayed and God answered. And James wants to want us to have the same confidence in the Lord today. He wants to build that into your core and backbone to, for you to pray like that, for us to pray like that for one another. I want to read the last verse is this, Psalm Psalm 105, 4. 
Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Again, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Make the Lord bless all of us to see that, that the Lord is alive. He is not changed. And he basically invites us to experience the power of his might in our life. Let us pray.